Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. All right, everybody, I've got another great show for you this week. I have a real fun interview coming up with the people from the Altamont Deli and Grill. And there are actually two Altamont Delis. There's one in West Asheville and one on Montford Avenue. And we'll talk about all that during the interview Uh, But I also wanted to warn you ahead of time that there are some technical and audio issues with the uh, interview. And that is because I had four people zooming in, one of whom had never used Zoom before. There is some glitching and glopping and some spillover of audio. But I think it's still listenable. So and I think it's a really fun interview. So I hope you enjoy it. And I do apologize for the audio issues as always still working those out as i learn how to do a podcast this is my 125th episode by the way not even kidding i've done this version of this podcast 125 times and i'm still trying to figure it out y'all um all right well one thing i want to talk about is that this weekend as i speak today as i record it's thursday so friday saturday and sunday Coming up is uh, a big festival in downtown Asheville and around Asheville. It's a uh, food festival. This is why I even care. And it is called Chow Chow. And, of course, a lot of people here in Asheville do know about Chow Chow already. But for those of you who don't know about it, it started in 2019, I believe, in the summer of 2019, and it was a big blowout. It was in the middle of downtown Asheville in a space called Pack Park and Pack Square, and there was a lot of stuff, a lot of food, and it was typical festival-style thing, and it was a lot of fun. And then the pandemic came, and everything in the world went down the toilet, and including festivals of all kinds and especially food festivals because the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry in general was being crippled by the pandemic. And so Chow Chow went away and then it came back. And when it came back, like so many things after the pandemic, it was much different. Like I refer to the pandemic as the glitch or the blip or the before and the after and stuff like that, because everything seems different. Even, I don't know, dogs are mating with cats and the moon is square and things like that. Uh, and, and things actually taste different to me than since I had COVID and things smell different to me. And so womp womp, but they, I didn't lose my taste or sense of smell. They just things taste a little different, still delicious, Just a little different, but maybe that's a topic for an interview sometime with somebody like a chef. Ooh, that'd be a good topic. A chef whose sense of taste and smell was affected when they got COVID. I'm going to look into that as an interview topic. But in the meantime and in between time, back to Chow Chow and festivals 
And I like, oh, and then so and then last year they kind of gathered up Chow Chow a little bit more. And this year they've really gathered it up more. And it's back in Pack Square and Pack Park. And there's, a, I think, a free aspect in the square and the ticketed aspect in the park. And there's ticketed stuff all around town, things that are as cheap as five dollars and things that are super expensive, like up in the multi-hundred dollars range you know and so chow chow is always trying to be uh elite and inclusive and that's not always easy to do when it comes to the dollar bills part of any event uh but chow chow is trying to figure that out and they're, they're doing a good job this year in my opinion i'm actually part of an event that's happening tomorrow so by the time you listen to this my part will already be over and that is a non-alcoholic beverage component to the show and that's because i famously don't drink and uh people are always throwing non-alcoholic beverages at me and i love it you know just because i quit drinking doesn't mean i want to drink gallons of club soda and eat hundreds of limes, you know, I, I want interesting beverages. And I often say there has never been a better time in history to be a recovering alcoholic than right now, because the NA beverage choices are fantastic. So anyways, let's talk about festivals and what happened to them over the pandemic and what might what the future of festivals might be and we'll see what happens with chow chow it might be a huge success and a blowout i hope so i certainly hope so and we've had festivals since the pandemic and some of them have been huge successes others not so much i haven't hosted any since i had to cancel my punk rock hot dogs event in 2022 because i couldn't excuse me, I couldn't get a clear idea on how many people were going to show up because we weren't at where we needed to be ticket sales wise in order to justify, I'm sorry, boring details. But uh, yeah, so I got out of the event business, but I still am involved with them as, you know, what people want me to be. Tomorrow, I'm a moderator on a panel and I'll be a judge. I'll, I'll give you some Tips and tricks if you need them. I'm not the most versed in throwing festivals. I think I threw like four or five. And I put on a week-long uh, heavy heavy metal festival in Chicago once a long time in a past life. And uh, so, yeah, festivals. How do we feel about them now post-pandemic? I know how I feel about them. That's all I can really talk about. And then like some anecdotal observations. Well, first of all, over the last three years uh think it, it's gotten hotter and hotter and hotter and so it's just hot outside and it's not going to get cooler next year and it's not going to be a cooler year the year after that uh it's going to get hotter so we have to consider that i went to a couple of festivals this year and i was hot like it was just unbearable so Outdoor festivals in the middle of June, July, and August. I don't know about that, y'all. Um, I'm not into it. And so that's a factor. The climate change, it's a factor, whether you want to talk about it or not. And uh, and then there's just like other people 
you know, like during the pandemic, a lot of us, I mean, all of us were isolated from each other. And so there's this, uh, two people use the expression, it's too people-y. And I, so, sometimes I feel that way too. So things can be a little too crowded. And I think we're all still a little sketchy about like, we got used to being six feet away from each other and stuff. And when somebody coughs or sneezes near me now, I'm like, whereas I used to just be like, whatever, people cough and sneeze, but now I'll like kind of back away. And so that's, I think, a factor. And we're people like to congregate just I think instinctually. And so we'll probably all get over that eventually. And I'm sure a lot of folks have to a certain degree. And again, I'm just really kind of talking about myself here, as well as some anecdotal observations and conversations I've had with my friends and stuff. Um, and I think another reason that uh, events are a little different after the pandemic is because the people that organize them are literally different people to a large degree. Like when you couldn't do events for that long, like when people like you just couldn't, it was against the rules. And then there was a giant period where you couldn't get any uh, help and people not wanting to come to festivals and you, you get out of the business for a little bit and then you just don't really want to go back in. And so a lot of the people who produced the events in our city, and I would imagine all over the country, got out and they didn't get back in. And so some of the major events, food events that we used to have in this town, we no longer have. Uh, the Wing War, the Battle of the Burger, and the Coffee Expo all went the way of the Water Buffalo. Well, I guess the Water Buffalo's made a comeback, but they went the way of the dinosaurs. Uh and so, uh, yeah, that's those are the major changes I see to how we as a population feel about food festivals and festivals in general. But they are fun. I'm looking forward to Chow Chow uh, this weekend, and I'm looking forward to watching them make a comeback. Now, the people who did those events, they told me they're out, but they also told me they're up for grabs. And so... I was just talking to David Brown from Doc Brown's Barbecue the other day. We were texting a little bit back and forth, and we agreed that there needs some needs to be some young blood come in and have some excitement and some enthusiasm and some new ideas on how to run food festivals and and food competitions. Those those are the ones I really miss the most. And so, uh, yeah, that's that. That's my little observation about food festivals and these trying times. But, you know, that's just me. Maybe the rest of the world feels different and there'll be crowds and crowds of people at every festival. I certainly hope so, because I know as a former producer of events that you want your event to be super crowded. <laughs> you don't you don't care if people are elbow to elbow and there's a line for people deep to get a sample of espresso or whatever. You, that's what you want. You want your festival nice and crowded. So... All right, folks, maybe I'll see you at the Chow Chow over the weekend, or I'll see you at the next festival or brand new food competition. If you want to produce a food competition, talk to this guy. I'll give you some good ideas because people are always, 
always saying to me, Stu, you should do with this competition or you should do with that competition. In fact, that's what David Brown was writing to me about. What did he want me to do? It's like a it's a side dish of some kind. He was like, you should do a coleslaw competition? Was it? I can't remember now, but uh, it wasn't. It wasn't coleslaw and it wasn't mac and cheese and it wasn't cornbread and it wasn't collards. Now I can't remember. Whatever. It doesn't matter because I'm not doing it. But if you want to do it, drop me a note, stuhelmavl at gmail.com or hit me up through Facebook and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll dig up the email, the text thread between me and David and I'll tell you. All right. I've gone on long enough about these festivals. And again, hope to see you at Chow Chow this weekend. Let's get on with that interview. All right. I'm going to introduce you and stuff just in case I use this. Um, all right. Uh, I'm I'm here in the studio having an impromptu chat with Crystal Capitini from Handlebar and um, the Burger Bar. And Crystal and I have known each other for quite a little while. I'd say uh, three, four years through Facebook. And she also was a judge at my punk rock hot dogs competition. She was a judge at the best one, like the best <laughs> one that we did. Crystal, uh, we're just sitting here waiting for some of your other um friends and cohorts to show up and we're ta- we're chatting about the Altamont which is an interesting model that's inside the handlebar. Um how you doing? I'm doing good today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It looks like a nice day in Asheville. It is. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about the handlebar. Um what's the, you, well, first let's back up. Tell me about the burger bar. Was that the first bar that you bought in your life? Yeah. Yes. Uh and uh, a f- actually, a couple of my friends have bought it. They uh, were living in Asheville for a really long time, and they came upon that business. And I worked for them for about three or three and a half years. Um, and they asked me if I could. They they had a kid, and so they couldn't really keep up with it anymore, or didn't want to, you know. And uh, so they asked me if I wanted to buy it because I was pretty much already running it for them to begin with. So I said yes because I loved it so much. <laughs> I loved it so much I married it. Uh-huh. And uh, I've had it for about five and a half years now. Okay. Well, that's a good long time. And uh the, the funny thing about the burger bar is of course there's it, no it, burgers. There's no burgers. <laughs> it's or any food. Or any food, but occasionally you do have little food pop-ups, correct? Yes. Like the doesn't Bigfoot Longs bring their hot dog cart there or some other people set up like that? Yeah. Every once in a while we get a food truck or a busker. Um, That's actually how I met how I met Nick Uh, when he was getting his food truck started. Purple People Feeder. He got his start at Burger Bar. And so I kind of love that, you know, his start with Altamont is happening at my new bar, Handlebar. That's great. And that's Nick. That's Nick Meal, uh, whom uh, is having technical difficulties. He's not joining. He's he's never Zoomed before. I just got a text from him. And so he's not here. And Nick Meal and Jake Wallace and Josiah Lipscomb are the three co-owners of the Altamont, which is a 
in, in my opinion, a very interesting business model in that there are two of them and they're both inside of other businesses and they're on the opposite sides of the river here in Asheville. Uh, the one in West Asheville is inside the handlebar owned by Crystal. Oh, and here's Josiah uh, trying to connect to the audio. So there he is. He'll be joining us in a minute. And uh, and then the other Altamont is over in the convenience store inside uh, in inside the convenience store on Montford Ave in the Montford neighborhood. And I see Josiah is just trying to connect to audio. So he'll pop on in a moment. So Crystal, how did you, uh, so you owned the burger bar and then mm-hmm. the handlebar came up for sale. So you just bought it and there was a kitchen. Yep. <laughs> and then what happened? So when I bought, so I just bought the handlebar a year ago, just had my one year anniversary there. And uh, when I bought the bar, the bartenders were the cooks, Okay. which, you know, typical dive bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just decided if I wanted the bar to be successful and the kitchen to be successful, they, they had to be separate. Um, so I worked on getting the, kitchen a little cleaned up because it was kind of gross back there and then i rented the space out to the guys that's great i love it young Mm -hmm. young entrepreneurial business people working together to do great things uh in my opinion um Mm -hmm. i don't drink anymore crystal so i've actually never been to the burger bar and i live way over here and on this side of the river so i've never been to the handlebar either <laughs> but those are the kind of bars that I loved when I yeah, drank. Yeah, so I have a real soft spot in my heart for those. Mm-hmm. And let's see, we have Josiah. Josiah, are you here? Can you hear us? I am. I can see you guys now. Yeah. Hey, man. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Oh, and we, we, we've we got, uh, is that um, Jake there too? Hey, Jake, how are you? That's Nick. Nice to oh, meet Nick. you. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick, you gave up on your other one? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to close that window out. Um, all right, Nick. Sorry, I didn't recognize your brother. I, I don't know that we've ever actually met in person. Mm-mm. And and Nick, you've been running the Purple People Feeder for a long time, from what I understand. Is that is that correct? Yes, sir. Going on the past seven years. It's August. Nice. And I personally know that, well, I personally love the food from the Purple People Eater. Um, and I know how popular you are because I worked for Kickback for a while during the pandemic. And I saw how many people ordered from Purple People Feeder. So uh, great, great truck, great service to Asheville and Asheville favorite. And Josiah, I'm afraid I don't know much about your background. Why don't you fill me in on that a little bit? Um, I've been in Asheville for about... Uh... 10 years. I worked at a uh, Brasilia Tarasco Steakhouse for seven and then Bears for about two. And then uh, Nick called me one day. I've known him, I guess, about seven or eight years and asked me if we wanted to start this project. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it's been exciting. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, but I love it out here. So, hey, how are you, sir? Yeah, it's, it's nice up here, man. It's ni- nice and breezy when. <laughs> When I'm talking to people, I'm like, man, I, I do food tours downtown. And when I'm talking to folks, I'm like, I'm sorry, it's uh, so hot. And they're like, Stu, it's 108 degrees where we live. <laughs> and so it's actually quite breezy and beautiful up here in Asheville, North Carolina, even on a hot day. 
Um, so Nick, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, the business model of the Altamont? Uh, Crystal and I already talked about um, the handlebar and how it came with the kitchen and the bartenders were cooking the food. And then she decided to clean up the kitchen and rent it out. So you guys, from what I understand, you were already operating in Montford and you decided to jump across the river and open a second location in West Asheville. Do I have that right? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We um, found out about the space in the Montford convenience store being available and we figured it'd be a good, you know, jump start. You know, it uh, came with the equipment included and all the permits and everything is under the convenience store. So it's sort of like a turnkey situation, you know, so that's that was a uh, very, very appealing you know, to us to try to get into a restaurant game. And uh, basically we took it from there. And I mean, you know, I like rice, but I don't want to fry it every day. So we want to make some sandwiches, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Cause, and you're talking about the fare that you usually have on the purple people feeder, which is a lot of rice bowls and, and, um, grilled, grilled stuff on a stick, uh, is no, not on a stick, but just grilled vegetables and, yeah, and stuff. Stir fry. yeah, stir fry. Why, why didn't I just say that, Nick? Um, and so you wanted to make sandwiches, and boy, howdy, make sandwiches you do. Because I ordered a bunch of food from the Altamont on Saturday to be delivered by Kickback. And I got a bunch. I got way more than one human being can eat. And it was great. It was fantastic. I got a cheese steak. I got the um, the Royale with cheese, a burger. <laughs> Um, I got a basic egg and bacon sandwich. And then I got, uh, what else did I get? Dang it. I got, oh, I got a side of cabbage and ham, which I, I loved the cabbage and ham. And we'll get back to that. But, uh, oh, and I also got a hot dog. That was a Reuben hot dog and was very delicious. So all the food right up my alley, the kind of stuff I like, uh, you know, my, my doctor doesn't like so much that this is the kind of food I like, but I take a pill every morning and then I eat whatever I want. And, uh, and, uh, so I posted pictures of this food online and I'm looking at the pictures and Nick, I, I realized that all of the food was basically Brown and beige. And I just said to myself, those are the most delicious colors in the food <laughs> rainbow. I mean, how do you feel about my my observation? Do you think brown and beige are the most delicious colors? I agree 100%. My thing is, is like here, you know, we're making simple food people been eating for thousands of years, like, like caveman days, you know, like the cheese steak and the hot dog and the hamburger. You know, we, we, we ain't it all crazy. We just go into the simple classic, the brown and beige. It's the gut just right. There you go, man. And I got to say, I, I loved everything. Like, I, it was a lot of food. And by the time I took a bite of everything, I was pretty full. Uh, but I went back and I crushed the hot dog. And I could not stop eating that cabbage and ham. Now, I ordered it kind of on a whim because it was the one side dish that I had never had. The rest of them were like French fries and stuff. And okay, so I I muckled onto that cabbage and ham and it was so delicious. Without revealing your secrets, what makes it so dang good? Nick. Um, 
Butter and love, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Two ingredients we use for everything. But um, we do it on the fly. So, like, you know, we do our own coleslaw shredded up. And we have this cabbage. And we wanted, you know, different sides. You know, we got our base, you know, our standards, like the pasta salad, really good, the potato salad. But we wanted something else. And, you know, cabbage is great for you when you're eating a cheesesteak, you know, helps with the rough fish and the whole process of everything. There you go. And so we put it under a bowl, throw it on that flat top to the side, hit it with some oil and water. And that helps break down your cabbage real quick. And then just season it correctly and finish it off, finish it off with a little uh, butter. And then uh, we bring in Dale's. Dale's is like Worcestershire done right, you know. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes. Right. We uh, we make a little Dale's concoction we use in house. That's our little, you know, flavoring or finish off right. a lot of our products on the flat top. All help right. meat so, to melt the cheese, help flavor the cabbage, you know, things like that. All right, so that that is a secret ingredient. There, there <laughs> actually is a secret ingredient. I love it. Um, I see that Jake has joined us. Jake, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? I can, I can. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing good now. Just had a, I'm down in Lenore in a in the back of the woods sort of area. So, just trying to get some internet connection. It's been a little bit difficult, but I'm here now. Well, I'm, you're coming in loud and clear. So you did a good job of finding a spot out there in the woods. Um, now, Jake, fill me in on what your background is and what your um, role is at the Altamont. Um, so my background was actually, well, I was like a land surveyor for 10 years, uh, up until 2021 and then sort of during the pandemic. Um, but I'd always worked in like kitchens when I was younger, but back when I was, uh, leaving school and stuff like that. Um, I I just wanted to do something that, you know, that I was passionate about and, so I started working in a few restaurants around town in Asheville and then because I with the end goal of owning or running our own business. Um, and then when Nick and Joe approached me earlier in this year with this opportunity, I felt like it was a good good thing to get started. And um, yeah, here we are. Here we are indeed. And um, I want to mention. And, and By the way, um, let me say something real quick. Jake is the, uh, the scientist chef. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, talk about Jake. He seems a little humble. Brag on, brag on your partner there, Jay, uh, Nick. Tell us, tell us more about. Yo, real talk. Jake is the man that studied. All right, sorry, I had to inject that, Jake. Yeah, he is being humble, but Jake is like the the scientist chef. You know, he goes into the studying things and improving things, and does the research on it, and then tries it out. You know, so he's really like the R and R. And the technical man of the crew, you know, All he'd right. be uh, giving us that fine touch. <laughs> All right. So you're you're a three man team uh, working together on two stores. Do you all go back and forth between the stores constantly, or is one of you in Montford, one of you is in West Asheville, and the third person goes back and forth? And Josiah, can you can you pipe in on that one? Uh, yeah. Um, usually, I I'm always out in the Montford store, and then Jake's both and he's usually on the weekends he's always out on the west side and then 
Nick just kind of fills in when we need him. So okay, um, we definitely worked as a team. Yeah, I do want to come out there sometime and uh, work with Jake on the west side. I think that'd be pretty fun. So <laughs> you could you'd be a guest chef. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Pop up menu. Um, so, uh, Josiah, you actually made my food on Saturday. So thank you so much. It was, super, yeah, it was super delicious. The Reuben hot dog was, uh, really nice. And Crystal knows I, I love hot dogs and, uh, and I couldn't, when I saw you had one, I couldn't not get one. And then I just decided <laughs> to get a whole bunch of stuff and everything was, oh, yeah. was really great. Um, can you just break down what the Reuben hot dog is for the audience? Just so they know. Oh yeah, we do. Uh, so we do Nathan's all beef hot dogs, and then we have our house-made Thousand Island dressing, and then uh-huh. we'll do um, sauerkraut on the grill and melted, melty uh, Swiss cheese underneath the sauerkraut. So mm. all the flavors just like combined, and it is a good hot dog. We actually it's great. We've been selling it more than our uh, down south dog here recently. So. It's a it's a fun dog to make though. That that doesn't surprise me actually because Rubens the sandwich are so popular and hot dogs everybody loves a hot dog so I would imagine that people are like me and just curious like what is this thing is it going to come wrapped in pastrami <laughs> or something like and uh, oh yeah it was super delish and the cheese was really melted so it was great um, and uh, you you may have heard my my postulation that beige and brown are the tastiest foods in the food rainbow. What what are your opinions on that, Josiah? Uh, I would agree. You would agree? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. uh, Oh yeah. All right. There, there was very little color in the food that I got from you guys. I probably could have ordered some food with color. I think you even had a salad on your menu. Um, but there was some red and green in the cheesesteak. And the cheesesteak was excellent, man. Uh, did, do you have a? Do you use some of that secret sauce on the cheesesteak, too? We do. All yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, the peppers and we went with a certain type of peppers and stuff to put in there. So I thought it was uh, just adds a little more flavor to it. So steak. And Super the steak delicious. is, uh, you know, we use uh, iron. Say that again. And, uh, I think it's really good. You know, we we use the eye round steak. Okay. And uh, so we slice that fresh and in house. Great. Um, let's talk about prices because as a food blogger, I have to put up with listening to the public complain about prices constantly. And I, I was raised in a, in a fashion where I, I was raised to think that it's tacky to complain about prices. You're either paying what is what you're paying or you're too, you can't afford it. And if you can't afford it, that's fine. Not everybody can afford everything in this world, but, uh, but people just complaining about prices constantly your prices are fantastic <laughs> like some of the, i i don't know if it's the most affordable menu in town like if i can say that like straight up but it's definitely one of the most affordable um jake as a scientist do you mm-hmm. want to speak to how you arrived at the numbers for the prices um well i guess like we want to be value and uh, we want to give people good value and good food, you know, made with love um, as much as possible, make that accessible for people. 
and then also being in the locations that we are um you know we're trying to be able to provide food for for everyone who, who comes into those establishments and things like that um our pricing is just you know you know like everything is expensive these days whether mm -hmm. it be you know the supermarket or you know so you know our prices are just pretty much as low as we can kind of go you know with a little bit of room in there for growth and stuff like that but while still not hitting people over the head with uh too high of prices definitely certainly not um but we and oh keep going please oh and it's something that you know we do need to keep an eye on as well and like occasionally prices may go up for some items and things like that just because of the way you know the the market is at the moment but we're trying to keep it as accessible and, um, you know, and good value for people as possible, definitely. Well, I think it's a fantastic value. It, it, it's certainly one of the cheapest hamburgers in town. Um, even having it delivered by kickback, which, of course, includes a fee for the delivery and a tip for the driver. Um, it was still very affordable. And uh, it was it was just great basic food, the kind of thing I used to eat for lunch every day when I worked in a factory or when I worked at the record store, because it was you could afford to eat it every day and it was super delicious. And as soon as you got tired of the cheesesteak, you move on to the burger. And by the time you've eaten your way through the menu, you're craving that cheesesteak again. So <laughs> it's exactly the kind of food that you know, I grew up eating as a teenager and a, and a young working person. So I appreciate the the price point and I appreciate the options on the menu. And I really want to shout out to Asheville to get on in to either location. Uh, there's a little, is there, there's seating at the bar, of course. Um, and there's a little bit of seating at Montford as well. Is that correct, Nick? You have some? We got a, we got a stoop. You know, there's a little ledge there in front of the convenience store, but uh, we're working on that. We're going to get some uh, outdoor patio furniture soon. Okay. Put out a couple little two seaters, just like Nine Mile, our neighbor right here. Yeah. You know, they've got some seats in the front. So we're going to make something where you can come sit down and eat real quick. Okay. And the parking over here is real beautiful in Montford. You know, there's like plenty of street parking and all the houses people park behind in their own driveways. So, like, we're very accessible, both locations. You can pull right off of, you know, the interstate 240. You got your own little exit right there. And you're here in like, you know, a minute parked right outside, a quick place to grab your lunch and go. Boom. Spoken like a true uh, food truck owner. He gives us not just the parking situation, but the directions as well. Uh, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, and there's been a lot of great things have been happening in the, the little space inside that uh, Montford convenience store from the Montford pull-up to the Montford mm -hmm. deli. Um, and now y'all are in there. It's always been some of my favorite food. I'm always sad when the one person goes, but psyched when the next person comes in. And that's the case this time, too, especially because the deli didn't close. The Montford deli didn't close. They relocated. So they're still doing their thing. And here you guys are doing your thing. And I feel like it's one of the most exciting um, new concepts in Asheville. So thank you. And hey, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank you all for being and, uh, on the show. Oh, yes? Did somebody want to say something? 
No? Okay. Uh, well, uh, I just want to thank you all for being on the show. And, and Crystal, why don't you tell us before we uh, sign off, what's your favorite thing on the menu at the Altima? Or li- list your top That's three. That's impossible to answer. Top, top three things that you're eating mm-hmm. off of their menu. Uh, definitely the Italian in the club sandwich. Kind of, they're, they're tied for me. But okay. They're some of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. I will never go anywhere else to get a sandwich now that Jake has put that food in my face. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's amazing. And I mean, he even has a way of making a simple quesadilla epic. So That's great. Uh, everything that I've had there is great. They do the whole wings too. That even has the little tippy tap on the top of it. Nice. Um, and the, the chicken wings are amazing and their burger is really good too. There you go. All right. Thank you. Uh, and, and that Italian got many shout outs uh, on Facebook and I think even on Instagram where people are less apt to comment, but um, it was, so the, I haven't tried the Italian. I'll have to give that one a shot. All right, y'all. The clock is ticking. Yay. All right. Jake, Josiah, Nick, Crystal, thank you all for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. you. Yeah, thank Thank you you very much, sir. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Folks, I just want to remind you that Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots of America. Although we might think of Asheville as Food City, USA, there are a lot of folks who live in and around here who are dealing with food insecurity on a daily basis. So if you can, please give to Mana Food Bank. Mana has been providing food to the people of Western North Carolina for 40 years. They do a great job and they are a wonderful organization. So again, if you're able, please go to manafoodbank.org. That's M-A-N-N-A, manafoodbank.org, and give what you can to help out fighting hunger here in Western North Carolina. And now back to the show. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that interview with those nice people from the Altamont. And the reason I keep hitting that T really hard when I say Altamont is because I listened to some of the audio of myself saying, talking and saying the word and other words. And I noticed that I have a habit of clipping the T out of words, like just clipping that T right out of the middle or right out of the end of the word. And that's probably partly because of where I grew up. And I grew up in the burbs in Massachusetts, like the woods, basically, not even the burbs. It was like a small town in Massachusetts. And I used to have a pretty thick accent as a child, and I lost it along the way. I've lived all over the place. I've lived here in Asheville longer than I lived in Massachusetts. And uh, But in Massachusetts, like you say, and, and, and things like that, it's just... And I'm exaggerating right now, but when you're talking and you tend to clip the T off of the end of words. So I was kept, I heard myself saying Altamont, Altamont, Altamont. Um, Anyways, go get that food. Now, here's the thing about the food. It And I mentioned this several times in the interview. It's very affordable. And so that leads to this week's episode of Messages from the Eaters. This is a message from the Eaters. 
uh, new segment I do where people can write to me through Facebook or Instagram. They can write to me at stuhelmav, as in victory, avl dot at gmail.com stuhelmavl at gmail.com and you can ask me questions you can tell me about a great piece of food you want me to try whatever just try not to send me any hate mail i'm not a fan um and along those lines it wasn't quite a piece of hate mail but it wasn't the most positive thing now i posted pictures of the food that i got from the altima and i wrote a pretty rave little blurb about it for facebook and there were a lot of comments from people saying that they really love that food and people saying, I got to try that food. And I mentioned the great price point. In fact, that was my lead in. I was like, Asheville, I know you've been griping about prices. Here's some cheap food for you. Cheap and delicious. And somebody posted a comment that was derisive about the rolls or the buns, or I forget what they wrote. Uh, and they just said, something like soggy Cisco buns or something like that. And first of all, I don't really tolerate any kind of negativity on my page. That's not what it's there for. Um, you can go to Yelp and you can go to Asheville Foodies Facebook group. You can go anywhere you want and be negative. And I just try to keep my page free of negativity. And I know that that, sort of squelches freedom of expression and i'm sorry about that but uh i i'm sacrificing a little bit of uh open discourse in order to have a negativity free zone and i think that's okay i i do i think that's fine um and so anyways i i did get rid of that comment because that's not what it was there for and also I had given explicit instructions. I forgot about this part. In the post, I gave explicit instructions to um, shout out. I wrote, if you're a fan of the Altamont, give shout out your favorite dish or something like that. I gave specific instructions and that this person did the wrong homework. They didn't follow the instructions and they said something that was negative they said they said oh i was disappointed or something and that's fine you can be disappointed but that wasn't the assignment and this isn't the forum so i apologize to the person that i did take it down but let me address that a little bit uh because he he said they were cisco buns and that's in case you don't know that's a big food supplier i think everybody knows because they have giant trucks all over the country delivering food to restaurants and you see them all over because all the restaurants use them and uh, whether they're farm to table or not they're getting at least some of their salt and pepper or whatever like somebody in a fancy fancy restaurant told me Stu, we get some of our stuff from cisco uh and so you know it's not a big deal to use cisco buns but you and i want to say that it is one of the ways that the altamont can keep their food more affordable so the Cisco buns are actually a, a positive in this case. Uh, you know, they're, they are what they are, to put it in the bluntest terms. Uh, they're not artisanal. And that's okay. That's okay to sometimes have food that's not 
farm to table. That's not artisanal. Uh, later in the week, uh, among the items that I got from the Altamont was a big old cheesesteak. And I ate it for a couple of days. All this food from the Altamont lasted me a couple of days. And But after it was gone, I needed more food in me. And I ended up at the new Mother Bakery on the South Slope. And I love that place. This was my third visit. And I got um, I ordered a meatball sub. And it was not cheap. To some people, it might have been outrageous. And out it came from the kitchen. And it was in an artisanal roll, and it was very small, and it was the roll was actually kind of hard, uh, crispy, like on the outside, like an artisanal roll is, and that that was all of that was good too. And this meatball sub thing was super delish, but compared to the cheesesteak I got from the Altamont, it was small and expensive, but the the Altamont cheesesteak compared to the mother was uh, cheap and not using artisanal high quality. I mean, it was, it was perfectly good. I'm not trying to say that the Altamont food was trash or anything. I'll leave that up to them to say words like that, but it was what I expected it to be. And I think we have to put our expectations where they need to be and when it comes to food and prices. And I was very happy to report to the world that here's some really affordable, delicious food. So I was kind of bummed that somebody like chose to then gripe about the quality. Like, I'm sorry, but you, you really can't have it both ways. Um, you can't, you know, have your cake and eat it too. If I have to use a food, metaphor sorry about that you know i was i was pretty advanced in age before i really understood what that saying meant i i figured that out fairly late in life i, I never understood especially as a child i was like how can you not have your cake and eat it too because you can't eat cake that you don't have uh so you have to have it in order to eat it but then I was like, oh, the whole point is that once you eat it, you don't have it. So you can't eat it and have it. You, you can have it and then eat it. But once you eat it, you don't have it. Like my mind exploded when I finally figured it out. It never made any dang sense to me. I don't know. I am not the brightest bulb on the string of Christmas lights, folks. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But anyways, that's that's my answer to the messages from the eaters is to set your expectations where they belong when you enter into a restaurant. And it really, if you want to avoid disappointment of all kinds, throw your all of your expectations straight into the trash and enter with none. Go, go with no expectations. Get all zen before stuff goes uh, not according to what you were expecting, and then you're disappointed. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm not a philosopher. But, um, yeah, let's take a little break, and then we will come on back, and I will uh, talk about something else. Oh, wait. Before we take a break, I wanted to do another segment. I'm going to do two segments in a row. I'm all about the segments these days. And this one, 
I debuted last week, and it is called Unsolicited Advice. And I guess I need to make stingers for these segments uh, and with some doom and gloom, unsolicited advice, and like organs playing in the background, you know, doom and gloom organs. And that's because, well, everybody loves to give advice, not everybody likes to hear it, and especially when they didn't ask for it. So here's some unsolicited advice for all the restaurants. And this segment is brought to you by me and my new restaurant consulting business. So give me a holler if you need me to help. But uh, yeah, here's my unsolicited advice. If you own or manage or work at a restaurant and you want that restaurant to be accommodating and comfortable for your customers, please, when you open up, when you first enter the premises in the middle of the day or whenever you arrive, walk around and touch and look at every table every table touch it see if it wobbles or not because when i first moved to Asheville, i was shocked by the wobbling tables like i was gonna start i i was personally no joke going to start a company that made table wedges like wooden table wedges that said Asheville on one side and maybe had a little pithy saying on the other side like a little mountain saying or just something funny or a piece of philosophy or part of a poem or something and the idea was that i would sell these to restaurants and they would put them on the table with a sign that said please you if your table wobbles please use a table wedge and this is to keep people from wadding up napkins and shoving them under the table which looks really ugly and dirty after a while uh or the restaurants sometimes they print matchbooks and then people use those and those are actually fairly expensive compared to like just the commercial table wedges you can buy online but my table wedges the idea was that i would stay in business because people would steal them people would take them and I, the restaurants would know like i was like people are going to take these and so you're going to have to order more from me but that's part of the idea is it's a little something that they can take home as a souvenir and it would say Asheville on one side and have something cool or funny on the other side and uh, it was going to be called the Asheville table shim company and i never did it because i just was doing other things i was running a graphic design company and drawing pictures and booking bands and stuff but uh i um I always thought it was a good idea. So if anybody wants to do it, go ahead and do it because wobbling tables are an issue in our town. And I'm not sure if it's because of the mountains or what, but if you're, like I said, go and touch every table, touch it on one corner, push down. If it wobbles, fix it if you can. And if it's a broken table and I'm, I'm talking about this, not because it might happen. I'm talking about it because I go to a lot of restaurants and they have a lot of wobbly tables. And I I might it might seem like this is a sarcastic joke of a segment, but it's not. This is my unsolicited advice. Like make sure, like throughout the day, even that your tables are not wobbling, because a wobbly table for a customer is tragic. It's your coffee spills, your whole world is topsy-turvy. Every time you go press down on your plate to cut a piece of meat, the table goes, and uh, it's just a drag. And 
I have actually gone to places where one table wobbles and I move and that table's even worse. And I'm like moving table. I'm like shifting them, trying to find the sweet spot. I mean, I'm, I'm reaching underneath to see if there's one of those little legs you can screw up and down and get my fingers all dirty with bottom of the table dirt, which is, you it's like all grubby and stuff. And, and it, I bring it up again, not because it might happen, but because it's happening right now. Right now, all over Asheville, people are touching the bottom of your tables, trying to unscrew the legs, and then going too far and realizing it's hopeless, and then trying to back up a little bit, and then they're jamming some napkins under there. Yeah, and then make sure that the tables are clean, too, because uh, especially if you run a bar, because <laughs> they're table and sometimes i go in there and there's a lot of rings on a lot of tables and i uh, i mean the dirty tables are less of an issue but they can be kind of an issue and and sticky tables are actually more of an issue than dirty tables so uh that i don't know what causes the table to be sticky after it's been cleaned it's, i think it might have something to do with the top like the bar top or the shellac or varnish or whatever gets compromised over time by cleaning fluids and becomes tacky. And so I think I, and I bring that up again because it's a pretty frequent thing. I know, I know the table is clean, but it's sticky ish for some reason. So touch your tables. That's my piece of unsolicited advice. You can tell me to go stick it where the sun don't shine, or you can choose to follow it, or maybe you already do. Um, but there you go. Two segments in a row. And now Let's take a little musical interlude and then we'll come right back. All right, folks, this is actually the end of the show. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my guests for being on the awesome people from the Altamont. And I want to thank WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville in the mountains broadcasting to the world. They take my humble podcast and they turn it into a radio broadcast. And I think that's pretty cool. And folks, please follow me on social media, social media. You'd think I'd never said that word before. Uh, my handle is Stu Helm food fan. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Substack. Substack is my newsletter. So please subscribe to my newsletter. It's free unless you choose to pay. Please choose one or the other, but just follow me. And uh, what else? Uh, I didn't really eat a lot of other food besides um, the... Uh, the stuff from the Altamont because it was a lot of stuff. And so I don't have a lot of reviews to do, but I can tell you that I went to the universal joint. I don't think I told you that last week that I went there with my friend, Scott. Scott is a legendary person. I love him very much. And uh, we each had the Steinbeck burger and it was delicious. So sorry, there weren't any major reviews in this episode, but there you go hop on over to the universal joint or the U joint as we call it. There's one here in Asheville. There's one in Greenville and uh, get that Steinbeck if you're inclined. Uh, all right, folks, thanks again. And if you eat something good, find me and let me know about it. Bye.